in the last year, but mostly last week. On the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Everywhere you go in sports media, there's Ryan Switzer. And I like Kenny Stills. I wish somebody could come save him, but he's got like $11 million cap hit this year. And listen to me. Listen to me. I'm talking to you, Dynasty Leaguer. For the love of God, trade for Marquise Goodwin before it's too late. And uh, that's that's putting a wet blanket all over Corey Davis's draft stock right there. <laughs> and if you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! And Todd Haley, get a load of David and Joku. Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And the difference is Mike Gusecki probably won't be tackled by the penis anytime soon. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your former host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me once again is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. What is up, Matt? <sighs> good to have you back, Nate. Good to have you back. Feels good, right? It does. I've got chills. You're back in your old chair. It's molded perfectly for you. You feel comfy, right? Everything good? Yeah, it's fantastic. Everything's great. The people want you back, man. The people on the Patreon message boards, patreon.com forward slash podfather, they control the show. They've been clamoring for more Nate Liss. When's Nate Liss going to be back on the show? And perfect timing, Nate Liss returns to the Sonic Truth podcast just in time for Corey Coleman to be traded to the Buffalo Bills for, get this, a conditional, conditional, 2020 seventh rounder so essentially <laughs> nothing they got him and then i heard from ian wharton on twitter whoever the hell that is that Corey coleman was overdrafted all along because of his athleticism nate is that right was Corey coleman always destined to fail because he was drafted based solely on athleticism okay no i don't think it was solely on athleticism but i think that any of us that are in the industry or have been watching, you know, players coming out of college, you can't ignore his athleticism. The guy was an uber athlete. He was explosive on the field. And I think that was exciting. Player profiler, 97th percentile spark score. That's right. Well, in fairness, Kevin White also. <laughs> yeah. An incredible athlete. But Kevin White had a bottom percentile breakout age and an underwhelming college dominator based on his counting stats you would think his dominator would have been higher but Corey coleman's dominator was up close to the 90th percentile and his yards per reception was over the 90th percentile and his breakout age happened to be above average so Corey coleman was a far superior prospect to kevin white who ian wharton thought was a good draft pick <laughs> 
Well, you know, we're all entitled to an opinion. I honestly, in my mind, though, I kind of feel like, and, and you look at the comparable on player profiler, I wonder if when the Cleveland Browns drafted him, the organization didn't think, oh, we've got the next Odell Beckham. You know, like they saw sort of that blueprint and they saw a guy coming out of college that was incredibly productive. I mean, we've noted this before, his last season, 20 touchdowns, 18.4 yards per reception, big time playmaker. And you feel like, oh, oh we've got this guy now. We're going to infuse him into this offense and nothing. It just didn't work out in Cleveland. Injuries, you know, and other things. And the Bills got a steal. Do you know who the fourth receiver is in Cleveland right now? <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. I feel like this is a setup. It, it says, are his initials J and J? No, it's technically Antonio Callaway. Oh, number four. So who's number three? Number five is Jeff Janis. Okay, here we but go. This is assuming that Josh Gordon reports to camp eventually and that he is active for week one. That is a big if. The number three receiver is Rashard Higgins. And Antonio Callaway was in the process of being busted for not only marijuana, also a concealed firearm as the Browns were trading Corey Coleman to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's just so Cleveland, right? It's just so Cleveland. The moment you're pushing the button to jettison a valuable talent, a valuable piece of your wide receiver core because you feel this new piece, this new shiny object is more exciting. So the moment you go to dump this asset because you prefer this newer asset, the newer asset is pulled over. <laughs> And given multiple citations, and these aren't even the first citations that he's received this year. He failed a drug test at the NFL scouting combine. This guy, this Antonio Callaway, the least trustworthy prospect in the 2018 draft. And they selected him ahead of far superior prospects that don't have high risk off the field attributes like, oh, Justin Watson. So go ahead and draft Antonio Callaway in the fourth round, Browns. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are stealing Justin Watson in the fifth round. That was stealing. Should have been at least a fourth round pick. Oh, well. So the moment Antonio Callaway gains the trust of Cleveland's front office, so much so that they are willing to give Corey Coleman away for nothing, nothing. A conditional 2020 seventh rounder is in fact nothing. Giving him away for nothing. He's in trouble. So to summarize, we have Jarvis Landry in the number one position on the depth chart, and then Josh Gordon, tenuously, and then Rashard Higgins, who posted the lowest yards per route run in the NFL last season. <laughs> 0.77 yards per route run last season for Rashard Higgins, ranked 105th in the NFL. So he was competing with Zay Jones for the lowest yards per route run in the NFL. That's Rashard Higgins. Mm. That's your new number three receiver in Cleveland. The number four receiver is Antonio Callaway for now. The number five receiver is Jeff Janis. That's right. The Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Do you know who the number six receiver is? 
Uh, before you tell me who the number six receiver is, I just want to point out that Jeff Janis has had more cell windows than anybody ever. I mean, he has, they have opened and shut so many times. And is this a cell window right now? I mean, I know that you're the... Stop it. The Jeff Janis. So there's no cell. No one's out here buying Jeff Janis. There is no cell window if no one's buying. You need buyers to create a cell window. I'm drumming up the market. We're creating a false market. The only fantasy gamers that have rostered Jeff Janis are the hardcore truthers and they're not going anywhere. And there's approximately one hardcore truther per league. <laughs> that person already has Jeff Janis on the roster, so there will be no Jeff Janis trades anytime soon. The number six receiver on the Cleveland Browns wide receiver depth chart is CJ Board. The number seven receiver is Damian Ratley. The number eight receiver is Derek Willies. I don't know those players. I don't know who they are. I've never heard of them. But that's the point. You don't trade away Corey Coleman when CJ Board, Damian Ratley, and Derek Willies are an Antonio Callaway suspension away from making the 53 man roster. Are you insane? It's such a dysfunctional roster, man. And then and then that video that surfaced, I know you tweeted about it, of Jarvis Landry just decimating the wide receiver room with one of the worst leadership speeches I've ever heard in my life. I'm healthy. You're not healthy, but you should be practicing anyway. I'm great. Look how uninjured I am. That speech? Yeah, the one with like 86 F-bombs. He called everybody bitches. Yeah, that speech. That's the one. Yeah, real inspiring, Jarvis. Way to go. Just what we need in the Cleveland Browns locker room. I wish somebody would have stood up and said it's hard to get hurt when you're averaging 8.8 yards per reception. <laughs> you're not getting that banged up that far down the field, right? Maybe if you tried operating at all in any of the deeper quadrants of the field, you might know what it's like to feel the pain of an injury. Right. Calvin Johnson can't walk anymore. You know, like, come on, it's not, it's not comparable, right? They're not on the same page. Anyways, yes, this is a shit depth chart. You're right. It's looking. Josh Doxson, also in Corey Coleman's draft class, mm -hmm. he hasn't been able to stay healthy going all the way back to his time at TCU. He can't log a full season. Is Josh Doxson ever going to happen, Nate? It sure feels like it's now or never. Right. I mean, oh, it's definitely now or never. It's definitely now or never for Josh Doxson. It's definitely now or never for Devontae Parker. Who's more likely to happen, Josh Doxson or Devontae Parker? Man, I'm going Devontae Parker. And there's a couple reasons why. So that means Josh Doxson's definitely not going to happen because I, there's no I, way that both Devontae Parker and Josh Doxson can both happen in the same season. That's mathematically impossible. It's not mathematically impossible, <laughs> oh, but it okay. seems mathematically impossible. I was going to say, when, when you're averaging 44.9% receiving percentage with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, that's just not going to cut it. And I know that they touted Josh Doxson as this future red zone weapon, but man, when you miss this much time, and I know he's got personal stuff and injuries, start missing training camp, you miss practice time, suddenly your roster spot is in jeopardy, right? Guys are passing you on the depth chart and... It's a lot of pressure. I've seen a lot of first-round picks bust, and I'm not saying that he's a bust, but down the stretch last year, Josh Doxson against the Broncos, 13 targets, two catches. Then against the Giants the following week, 10 targets, four catches. Oof. Right? So he's just he's getting volume. He's not getting open. He's not getting it done. 
And uh, I think Devontae Parker is going to be the one of the two that actually works out. And personally, we've seen this with players before. You look at Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison? Hold on, hold on. Marvin Harrison? You're comparing Devontae Parker to Marvin Harrison? I'm going to right now. Oh, my God. Over the last three years of his career, if you compare it to Marvin Harrison's first three years and you gave them equal targets, number one, he's averaging a 4% higher receiving percentage than Marvin Harrison. Oh, stop it. You would have more catches than Marvin Harrison through this part of his career than Marvin Harrison did. 23rd in the league last year in target distance. He's getting down the field, and I think he's on the trajectory of a Michael Crabtree, a guy that flashed greater a little bit later in his career by the fourth year. Again, you compare targets, he would have equal production to these guys. And he had Jay Cutler throwing him the ball. He has Ryan Tannehill throwing him the ball. And I know that's not an excuse because players have done – Andre Johnson's been great with bad quarterback play. But I'm not giving up on Devontae Parker. I feel pretty fearful about Josh Doxson. The answer is neither Josh Doxson nor Devontae Parker are going to break out. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because Josh Doxson's just not a good NFL player. He's just not efficient, and I don't think he ever will be. And we should never fall for the red zone weapon label. When you think red zone weapon, you shouldn't think touchdown. When you think red zone weapon, you should think one-dimensional. You should think this guy's never going to be a consistent fantasy producer. That's the neuron that should fire in your brain when you hear the label red zone weapon used to describe one of your favorite fantasy receivers. And Devontae Parker is a dolphin, and that's all I need to know. And the more efficient dolphin at a similar age, year in, year out, has been Kenny Stills. So give me Kenny Stills. And if not Kenny Stills, give me Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson has been more effective on a per-target basis, especially when you look at yards after the catch. And I think that Albert Wilson can competently play that Jarvis Landry role in the Dolphins' offense, at least better than Danny Amendola. Josh Doxson, Devontae Parker, not going to happen. What about Zay Jones? Zay Jones going to happen? <laughs> it's just, I feel a theme here. Uh... I mean, you love Zay Jones, always have. I think you said you always would love Zay Jones. You were infatuated by Zay Jones at East Carolina. You thought he was one of the best wide receiver prospects in the draft in 2017. Where are you at, Nate Liss, with Zay Jones? Okay, all right, difference between Zay Jones and the guys that you just mentioned. One of the guys you just mentioned has already been in the league two years. One of them's already been in the league three years. Zay Jones been in the league one year. So Zay Jones needs some time. Now, obviously, he's been told that his roster spot needs to be earned. And that's unfortunate because this is a guy who was drafted higher than I think some people expected come draft day. Should not have been drafted so high. Yeah, that's fair. And then the other thing is... Epic blunder draft pick by the Buffalo Bills. Stacking it on. Um, That was a very Bills pick. The Zay Jones second round pick was very Bills. I I agree. But this is a guy that was a really good athlete. We talked about this before. Playing primarily in the slot. And this is going to go for some guys that are coming out of college this year that are being touted as potentially the number one overall wide receiver, A.J. Brown, that are playing primarily out of the slot, and we've seen it before, coming into the league as purely a slot receiver is a dangerous prospect. Um, And that's something that may touch on Christian Kirk, too, and other guys. And we'll see if teams utilize them correctly. Are you saying Christian Kirk is the next Zay Jones? I'm saying Christian Kirk played a lot in the slot, and depending on what Arizona tries to do with him, if they ask him to go outside, uh, then you might see a guy that struggles for a while until he gets moved back in. A la Aguilar. This is terrifying. What about Mike Williams? Is Mike Williams ever going to happen? 
I don't know. Leapfrog by Tyrell Williams. Um, he's got the draft capital. But, uh, man, we, that team's so loaded as it is. So let's say Tyrell Williams is a fixture. And somehow Mike Williams is in there in three wide sets. You still have Keenan Allen. You have Melvin Gord. You have Hunter Henry who's coming back. Phillip Rivers is 85 years old. Don't forget about Travis Benjamin. I'm not sure Mike Williams logs a higher snap share this season than Travis Benjamin because if I'm the Los Angeles offensive coordinator, I want Travis Benjamin in the game in three receiver sets stretching the field. Sure, inside the 20-yard line in the red zone, Mike Williams is what? He's a red zone threat. He's a red zone weapon, right? Hmm. Seems like we've heard this labeling system before and it hasn't worked out before and it rarely works out because you want Keenan Allen in the slot, Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin stretching the field on the outside. That is the optimal three wide receiver set configuration for the Chargers and Mike Williams does not factor into their optimal three receiver sets. I think he is a guy that comes in on four receiver sets and down close to the goal line. And that's not a player that you can trust in fantasy football ever. I would say, though, if the price is right, I'm still rostering if I can get my hands on him. He's been in the league one year, high draft capital. Yes, he was a top 10 pick. Of course, you're rostering him. Hold on. You were rostering Josh Doxson all these years. You were rostering Devontae Parker all these years. I'm asking you, do you think it's going to happen, yes or no? If you think there's a 49% chance it happens, then it's probably not going to happen. If you think there's a 51% chance Mike Williams is going to happen, then you say yes. He probably will happen. What do you think is going to happen? I think there's a 49% chance that Keenan Allen misses some football games. Jesus Christ. I tend to agree with you, though, on the potential of of his snap share. If he can't, here's here's what's got to happen. If he can't beat out Tyrell Williams, then I don't disagree with your take on the Travis Benjamin snap share thing because Travis Benjamin is an entirely different type of receiver that opens the field up. Uh, You know, I like Mike Williams, but uh, this is a tough roster to try and crack. If he had gone to the Bills, if he had gone to the Jets, a different team that had a more wide open depth chart, maybe he would have some opportunities, but this is the unfortunate side of going to a roster like this and having injuries and not catching up to speed. You're getting passed by hungrier players. You think they're hungrier? Hungrier than Mike Williams? Probably not. What are you talking about? You think Mike Williams has an appetite problem? Yes, yes. You think Mike Williams goes to a restaurant and just orders appetizers and a salad? He's just not hungry enough? He just looks over at Carlos Williams and he orders whatever he's eating. Whatever the baby weight that he's still trying to lose. Speaking of which, where is Carlos Williams? Why did you do that to Carlos Williams? I didn't do it. Carlos Williams with a K. Why did you just inexplicably disparage Carlos Williams? Carlos Williams. Are we still body shaming in this culture? Is that what we're doing? We're body shaming still in 2018? I am body shaming when it's men whose wives, obviously, are having the babies and they're gaining the weight with them. Like, you don't get to gain weight because they gain weight. That's bullshit. Especially when you're an NFL athlete. You're saying that Carlos Williams' rationalization for gaining weight and losing his roster spot was bullshit. Yeah, yes, I do. He's a liar. I think it was it was all mental. Yeah, I do. Are you saying you don't believe it was the baby? He needs to be more mentally tough to control his appetite. It's just an appetite, In man. fact, he should go out to dinner with Mike Williams, and yes. Mike Williams can eat some of what he orders. Yes, role reversal. Wow, that's genius. How did you come up with that so quickly? That's really smart. Just thinking about it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. What about Willie Sneed? Is Willie Sneed going to happen? God, I hope so. I'm hoping Willie Sneed isn't the next Jordan Matthews. It's very possible. 
I mean, I think best case scenario for Willie Steed is that he's Jordan Matthews at this point, right? I mean, yeah, he's the. He's the third banana on the Ravens. I love saying third banana. I know it's a cliche. I'll give myself the cliche sounder, but I love saying third banana. I'm going to keep saying it. Oh, so ridiculous. I'm going to own that cliche. That's going to be the Matt Kelly signature cliche. Willie Sneed is a third banana. Oh, but he's a third banana on a team that does not have a target magnet pass catching back nor a target magnet pass catching tight end. So the third receiver in the Ravens passing game, which has been one of the league leaders in pass volume the last few years, that can be a fantasy relevant role. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens need help wherever they can get it. And I'm with you. I like Willie Sneed and I I like where he went. You know, Crabtree's aged. Uh, You know, he's going to play that savvy veteran role and they need some young guy to kind of emerge here and be a weapon for this team. Willie Sneed's done it before. Last year, injuries... Missed a lot of time, not super productive, but what he did in New Orleans was was pretty impressive. I mean, catch rates of 69%, 68%. I mean, you're playing with Drew Brees, of course, but he's still the one running the routes, getting open, catching the ball. I mean, there were impressive years that he had in New Orleans, and I don't think you can forget about that. So to recap, Josh Doxson, not going to happen. Devontae Parker, not going to happen. I disagree. Zay Jones, not going to happen. Mike Williams, not going to happen. But Willie Sneed, counterintuitively, Willie Sneed is going to happen. Wow. Uh, I just, I want to make sure that people know that I'm not off the Devontae Parker bandwagon. This is Contrarian City on the Sonic Truth podcast. Yeah, all right. And the Is Player X Going to Happen or Not segment that I just made up on the fly was brought to us by FF Draft Prep. Are you familiar with FF Draft Prep, Nate? I'm not. (laughs) If you're a listener of this show, You understand that your fantasy team is yours. It's not mine. You control it. You need to take responsibility for the draft picks and the start-sit decisions. You do the research. You synthesize the information provided by playerprofiler.com, and you control your own destiny. I don't care about your fantasy team, unless you're a supporter of the show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather. But if you would like to improve your fantasy team management, there is a tool that I would recommend you start using today. FFDraftPrep.com. FFDraftPrep.com. In fact, you could press pause on the show right now and go check out FFDraftPrep.com. I'm giving you permission. It's the ultimate draft day command center. If you want to remain organized and stay a step ahead of your competitors and understand how the teams around you are being constructed while you're drafting and have a better understanding of the available players and demand for each position, then you need to check out the FF Draft Prep Draft Dashboard. And when you go to ffdraftprep.com, use the code MANSION. The promo code is MANSION. It's not Roto Underworld, as it usually is. In this case, it's MANSION. And you get 20% off your purchase of the FF Draft Prep tool. You're welcome. You just became a smarter fantasy drafter. And while our listeners are becoming smarter, Pete Carroll is becoming dumber. Why is he relentlessly touting Chris Carson? Um, boy, I, I think it's in part 
obviously, as a motivational tactic for Carson and for Penny. Is Penny not working hard? Is that the problem? Is Penny showing up late? Is Penny leaving early? Is Penny not giving the requisite effort that the Seattle coaches expect from a rookie player? What's going on? Why the need to constantly motivate your first-round pick? I've never heard any of this, but here's my belief. Here's my belief. Seattle has been so thin at running back over the past few years. This is a team that started Mike Davis, Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lacy, McKissick, I think, started a game or two. Who? J.D. McKissick. Who's that? You know, looking at an encyclopedia for him. Ah, here's the deal, though. I believe that Penny will be the lead back in this team, you know, as they go forward. I think that the truth of the matter is Carson didn't play a ton last year, and there's some really weird belief out there that he was some elite talent for 50 carries last year or whatever he had, right? I mean, but he was a dominant producer in college, right? Didn't he dominate in college? Wasn't he an epic producer at Oklahoma State? His dominator rating very low, like 19.6%, 28th percentile. Yeah, it barely registered. Okay, here's the thing, though. Wait a minute. What about his college target share, though, Nate? Didn't he catch a lot of passes at Oklahoma State? Oh, you mean 4.6%, 20th percentile? Yeah, that's a low target share. Shit! God, why do they like Chris Carson so much? Look, hold I just don't understand. I got to go back to this for a second. Why, why do they like Chris Carson? Why does everybody else like Chris Carson? Why does anyone like Chris Carson? Thomas Rawls had this insane year, and everybody said the sample size was too small. He had like nine times the amount of oh, carries. Oh, no, that's not true. I came in front of this microphone. I stepped up and said, Thomas Rawls is the most overrated running back in the NFL right now. And fantasy gamers and Seahawks fans were enraged. What? They asked me to go back and look at the film, check the film of (laughs) Thomas Rawls' breakout season with the Seahawks. And I said, why don't you go check the film of Thomas Rawls falling down in the backfield at Central Michigan? This is is all I'm going to say about this. The Seahawks need Carson to be a motivated player because they need running back depth. Rashad Penny was drafted in the first. He's going to be played as the starter of this roster. So everybody out there that's freaking out, trading Penny, getting scared, you're going to you're going to look bad when you look back on this in week 2, week 3 when Rashad Penny ends up being the better player and the Seahawks know it and he gets the ball a lot more often and you just gave up a ton, got rid of Penny, brought in Carson and Carson's just a bad backup that's what's gonna happen i agree is pete carroll becoming dumber or a worse liar i'm assuming this is in regards to the doug baldwin injury yes you got me okay um is he lying pete carroll is lying about doug about the severity of doug baldwin's injury is he not you know he might be this is a wait and see thing Uh, i mean honestly i like to believe that pete's been pretty transparent in the past Oh, really? He's not Bill Belichick, but here's the thing. You got to agree on one thing. You're that gullible. You're not that guy. You're not a gullible guy. I know you to be a street smart guy. You're savvy. Just a street tough. You don't fall for the Pete Carroll used car salesman routine on the podium. You're not that guy. You're smarter than that. Here's one of my reasons why I think he's telling the truth, because with guys like Des Bryant and some other receivers still available on the free agent market, wouldn't you think that Seattle would be scrambling to find anything right now? They don't have Jimmy Graham. Tyler Lockett's never broken out. Well, wouldn't you think the Cleveland Browns at this point would be going out and trading for a wide receiver like Corey Cole? Oh, oh. <laughs> right. Oh. They could sure use him. Oh, they really could use that Corey Coleman guy. <laughs> 
Oh. The the point is that I think if Seattle really believed that Doug Baldwin's injury was something serious or he was having, you know, a real surgery that was bad enough that he was going to miss a majority of the season or half I'm the season. I'm not saying he's going to miss the majority of the season, Nate. I'm saying he's not going to be 100% in week 1. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I won't disagree with that. I think he plays week 1 whether he's 100%, I don't know. And if Doug Baldwin is less than 100% in week 1, that makes Pete Carroll a liar. And you're getting a little dip on the ADP here depending on how long this goes on for what kind of news comes out from here. You know, you might get a It's not dipping enough for me. It's not dipping enough for me. <laughs> Okay, it's dipping plenty for me. I'm more likely to draft Eric Decker at his ADP. I think Eric Decker is a better value right now than Doug Baldwin. Who do you think is a better one-year rental? Is it Eric Decker or is it Kenny Britt in New England? Who do you still believe in? Oh, my God. I don't really believe in either guy that much, but I guess I would go with Decker, man. These kinds of players can help you win Dynasty League championships. I know. I know. I, I've always believed Decker's been a nuanced player. I've never felt that way about Kenny Britt. I felt like Kenny Britt's won on athleticism and some other things like that. So I think if I'm taking a choice between two age players, I'm going to take the guy that's that's done it before right. quite a few times. I go Eric Decker. I like that. That's a well-reasoned position that because Eric Decker relies less on athleticism, once these wide receivers have lost most of their juice, you want the one with more nuance, and that's Eric Decker. Chris Godwin has more nuance than Mike Evans. Do you prefer Chris Godwin in Dynasty to Mike Evans? Oh, man. Um, I think by counting stats, Mike Evans' resume is superior to Chris Godwin's, obviously. By a lot? By uh, Yeah, by a lot. I mean, Mike Evans, <laughs> right? by, by a lot, lot. Right? Like a lot, but a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, and I think that's the problem. I I would tell you that I prefer um, Chris Godwin to Mike Evans if if he was getting the requisite opportunity. But the thing is, if you don't take him now and his opportunity comes this year, the cost of Chris Godwin is going to be insane, and you won't be able to afford you him. Don't. You got to get him at this very moment. You need to trade for him now, not now, now. No, 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 now, now, now. No, that was then. You have to get him now, 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 now. I don't know when to talk. I don't think that I would prefer Chris Godwin to Mike Evans necessarily as long as Mike Evans is in Tampa Bay because I think anywhere that Evans goes, even if it's of Tampa Bay, if if someday from now Mike Evans signs his next contract with the uh, Detroit Lions and he's playing with Stafford because they need an alpha, let's say Galladay never pans out, I don't think that his catch percentage— stop it. Shut your mouth. Kenny Galladay is absolutely going to work out. Okay, put fantasy football off to the side. Yes. You're starting a franchise today. You're an NFL general manager. You prefer Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? Equal contracts, but Mike Evans is older. They're not the same age, but you will get them at similar contracts. You know, man, I I know you're not going to like this. I'm still going to go Mike Evans here. And that's fine. That's the right answer. I'm trying to temper expectations around Chris Godwin. I'm the original Chris Godwin advocate in Dynasty Leagues. Get Chris Godwin in the second round. That was the drumbeat last year. Get Kenny Galladay in the third round. Who would you prefer, Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin in Dynasty? Woo. All right, now this is a legit question. So what have the questions been prior to this? Not legitimate? No, I mean, Chris Godwin. Is Chris Godwin a better player than Mike Evans? I don't know. Mike Evans has been pretty good with the exception of some inefficiencies. I was setting you up for an incredible hot take that would singe the eyebrows off the listeners. All right, here you go. Here's my answer. 
Based on their respective ceilings, I would prefer Galladay because he's the alpha wide receiver one that could be tethered to Matt Stafford versus Godwin, who's good. But guess what? Mike Evans just signed a five-year deal, good through 2024, and he's sucking up 150 targets a year and only catching 50% of them. So maybe they could cut a couple off and send him Godwin's way. But I prefer Kenny Galladay here. That's the idea. That's, that's, see, that's the idea. Siphon. That's the thesis for drafting Chris Godwin, that he will command the targets eventually. We have Kenny Galladay at 35 and Chris Godwin at 36 on the playerprofiler.com dynasty rankings. So we agree with you, Nate List. Oh, thank God. For the reasons you just outlined, Kenny Galladay's near-term opportunity is greater. Otherwise, these are similar wide receiver talents with bona fide WR1 upside in the NFL. Now, running back on the New York Jets depth chart does not have RB1 upside, but he is intriguing nonetheless. His name is Trenton Cannon. Should we care about him? Oh, man. I love this one. Well, he was the third highest spark score among all running backs in this Mm. year's draft class. Mm. Good college Mm. production, albeit in the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association. Now, uh, he he has a decent opportunity to be a change of pace back, third down role with the Jets. But I, I just for a moment want to highlight some of the teams that he played last year. I, I'm okay. I want you to guess if I made this name up because he did not go to Virginia. At first, you might think, "Oh, he went to Virginia," or you might think he went to Virginia Tech. Oh, he went to Virginia Tech. Oh, this is exciting. But the reason why many in this audience have not heard the name Trenton Cannon is because he did not go to Virginia nor Virginia Tech. He went to Virginia State, which is not a school I'm aware of. It's like University of Phoenix. He played against a team called Elizabeth City State. Livingstone, Winston-Salem, Johnson C. Smith. That's a team. They played Johnston C. Smith. Dude, I... You know these are HBCUs. I was looking at these things on here. Be careful with your dismissiveness. I'm just warning you. I've taken heat on this show before. I like Trenton Cannon's opportunity here on a depth chart where Bilal Powell seems like he's exiting. I don't really know what Bilal Powell's role is. You've got Elijah McGuire who's had some injuries. This is Isaiah Crowell's year with this team. He's probably going to get a bulk of the workload, but they need a guy who has the talent of Trenton Cannon. He's an explosive player that uh, can catch the ball to the backfield. He's done it in college, and this might be a good spot for him. The Jets need playmakers, and I think they're going to put players on the field that can do that. Do you know the last small running back who was explosive, productive, checked all the boxes, came from a small school, came into the league last year, and flew under the radar in Dynasty Leagues? Can you name him? Oh, like last year. I'll give you one more clue. This will help you based on your biases. Oh, God. He's Jewish. He's Jewish. He's a running back? Tariq Cohen. Oh, God. Is he Jewish? I don't know. <laughs> oh, the Cohen. That's so. Why is that? How is that not racist or bigot of you? I don't understand. <laughs> Wait a minute. And I'm supposed to be worried. I don't know if he's Jewish or not. I was making fun of your prejudices. You go and do layups at the JCC and think you can make jokes about Cohen's last name? You need to get a membership. I'll own it. I went there. <laughs> I went there. No, that's fine. I respect it. I love it. 
think it's hilarious. So Trenton Cannon's ceiling is Tariq Cohen, and that's exciting. A lot of running backs do not have Tariq Cohen in their range of outcomes, so we necessarily need to be excited about Trenton Cannon. And in all my dynasty leagues, the most difficult players to source from the player pool in free agency are running backs. And so when you have a running back rising up the depth chart who was a college mega producer and one of the best athletes in a very athletic running back draft class, you need to stash that player on your taxi squad. It doesn't matter what format, how deep or shallow it is. If you have a taxi squad, you need to put Trenton Cannon on it. Just like we were putting former sixth round pick, athletic college mega producer, Quincy Inunua. Mm. On our taxi squads three years ago, four years ago now. Is Quincy Anunwa good? I think Quincy Anunwa is a good player. I think you and I were both fans of Anunwa at one point, and I'm I'm not totally off the Anunwa bandwagon. Um, and I think of the big reason why at the time was that the depth chart was wide open. And despite Robbie Anderson's presence, I still don't really feel differently about Quincy Anunwa's chances. Although I will say it now. I do believe the New York Jets are at the top of the list of teams to draft the wideout early next year. So depending on how much I'm willing to invest in them, I, I believe that this is a team that's going to reach in the first round and take one of these receivers next year because it's going to be top loaded with the alpha prototypical receiver. I think Quincy Nguyen can lead the Jets in targets this season, but eventually fall into a number two receiver role for his team. I think that's his future and his upside is capped long term. This is the year to roster Quincy Anunwa in Dynasty Leagues. What do you think of Cortland Sutton operating as the outside receiver with Demarius Thomas in the slot? How do you feel about that wide receiver talent configuration in Denver? I don't hate it. You know, you and I talked about this in the offseason. Some of these guys, these aged players that can extend their career like Larry Fitzgerald has, by moving into the slot. I like Cortland Sutton outside. That's where he should be. He's the future of this team. That's exactly where he should be. That's the only place he can play. And I also agree with keeping Emmanuel Sanders out there stretching the field. It's a waste to put Emmanuel Sanders or Deshaun Jackson in the slot. That doesn't make any sense. They need to be outside stretching the field, creating more room for the receivers underneath. And how about Vincent Jackson, age 30 season, 1,200 receiving yards, age 31, 1,000 receiving yards, back-to-back seasons of over 70 catches. He got a lot of targets, but this is a guy who moved into the slot, was a bigger guy, just like Demarius Thomas is, and, and this could potentially be his future as a guy that's running those routes out of the slot, and it'll extend his career. And like you said, open it up for Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders and Hamilton and all these players they have now. A player that won't be playing in the slot anytime soon in Denver is Carlos Henderson. Mm. What the hell happened to Carlos Henderson? Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. 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 Uh, You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know, man. Injuries, apparently family issues um, he's missed time for. This was a guy that was a... He's AWOL. He just didn't report to camp. He just said, you know what? I'm not going to work. Missed the first three days, I think, or three weeks. It was first three days, and... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with with Carlos Henderson, man. This was a guy that we thought was, you know, the yards after the catch monster. You were loved him. You were so wildly enthusiastic about Carlos Henderson at one point. This is the downside to the emotion of And you look so wrong right now. Oh, that's bullshit, man. I don't even fucking know. Is it, man? No, I didn't know that he had like that he wasn't stable mentally. I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> 
How was I? How was I supposed to know? I don't know that. Well, you also love Matt Breida. I did. I, you know, I I like Matt Breida. Matt Breida, he looks to be the number two option in that San Francisco backfield and a real threat to Jarek McKinnon. Do you agree? Yes and no. Not for the number one running back role. Yeah. But the difference between an eighty percent opportunity share and a sixty percent opportunity share for Jarek McKinnon is a gulf. And it's incredibly impactful for his fantasy output. Yeah, I think that Breed is definitely going to be a reason that you need to be concerned as a Jarek McKinnon owner. I think Jarek McKinnon, obviously, like you alluded to, is going to maintain this number one role. He's the clear-cut superior athlete. Kyle Shanahan, is he praised on him, said this is the guy that we wanted all along, brought him in. But bear in mind, Jarek McKinnon's never exceeded 160 rushes in a season. He's never been targeted more than 70 times. So this is an opportunity where he could get a lot of volume, but we also haven't seen Jarek McKinnon push to this level. And I think to keep him fresh, you're going to have to see a guy like Matt Breida get a chunk of that workload. And last year in that offense, he already got the ball 105 times out of the backfield to the tune of 4.4 yards per attempt. So Breida was pretty good. He even had 36 targets out of the backfield. This could be kind of a a 1A, 1B sort of thing, but McKinnon's going to carry 65% of this workload. and At least. Yeah, and, and the explosive playmaker he is could vault him into that RB1 weekly potential. We told you to trade for Jarek McKinnon last year when we told you to, and you don't need to worry about how expensive he is in Dynasty Leagues this year. And most of you have. Congratulations. As well as Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin has been a buy for years. And it appears Jimmy Garoppolo loves Marquise Goodwin. Those are the reports that I care about in camp. When I hear that Marquise Goodwin is ascending to the number one option in a passing game, that's a camp report I pay attention to. I pay attention to very few camp reports. But when they are depth chart related, I pay attention. That's significant. So do you believe that the Marquise Goodwin breakout will continue? I think that Marquise Goodwin could become a more efficient player and and increase the numbers that he produced last year. I think 105 targets, which ranked him 16th in the NFL, could probably be his peak um, in this offense. I mean, with the expectation that McKinnon will emerge, Kittle will emerge, Dante Pettis was added to this. Okay, Dante Pettis is not going to be a thing this season. Don't worry about Dante fucking Pettis. Look, I'm not saying Dante Pettis is going to be a 100-target guy, but Dante Pettis is definitely going to be in there for 40, 50 targets. He's going to eat into the overall volume. Do you know who was number nine in the NFL last season in total target depth, also known as total air yards, both complete and incomplete? Who? DeAndre Hopkins, number one, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones. Number nine is... Marquise Goodwin? Marquise Goodwin. Total target distance slash air yards is a statistically significant predictor of future production for wide receivers you need to be excited about Marquise Goodwin commanding such huge volume down the field the fact that he's not only commanding targets he's commanding targets in the more valuable quadrants of the football field that indicates his quality as a receiver And with a full season of Jimmy Garoppolo at a late age, Marquise Goodwin is past the age apex. That's part of the reason why he's been so affordable, because he lost years as a sprinter. So Marquise Goodwin has always been and continues to be a value in dynasty leagues. This could be 
a breakout year for him where he finishes as a high-end WR2 as the primary option in that passing game, not Pierre Garçon. Dynasty Leaguers wanted to be Marquise Goodwin anyway. Dynasty Leaguers don't care about Pierre Garçon. They really care about Dante Pettis. That's not going to happen, at least this year. But thankfully, if you can't have Dante Pettis, you can get Marquise Goodwin because he will be productive. I actually think Trent Taylor will outproduce Dante Pettis this season. Do you agree? I think that's a fair take. Yeah, sure. I mean, Trent Taylor was reasonably productive last year, and Dante Pettis is the rookie coming in this year, so I I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. You know, he's a smaller player, and I don't know how he's going to work in this offense. I mean, he had 60 targets last year. Is he going to increase on those targets with the expectation that Garcon and Goodwin and McKinnon and all these guys and Kittle are going to emerge? I mean, it might put him a little bit. We just want Trent Taylor to start in three receiver sets. That'll be good enough for me. That's all I want from Taewon Taylor. And Taewon Taylor will absolutely be starting in three receiver sets tethered to Marcus Mariota. Who's better? Taewon Taylor or Trent Taylor? It's a lot of alliteration in there. If you had to pick a Taylor, who would you pick? And you don't need a Taylor because all you wear are t-shirts. Typically. Typically just t-shirts. Uh, I didn't notice that, but now it's going to it's gonna bug me. Uh, I'm going to go Taewon Taylor. <laughs> a player that was drafted two rounds earlier has the requisite size. He's a good athlete with elite agility score and the depth chart. He's pretty much climbed now. You know, we've we've seen that he's flashing in camp. They've been talking about him. Um, Taylor last year in San Francisco was good, but that's a depth chart with a lot of moving parts also. So I'm obviously leaning towards Taewon Taylor. I'm not leaning. I'm standing next to Taewon Taylor. Taewon Taylor is the correct answer. Let's travel back across the country. Another slot receiver dichotomy. Because we can't have a Sonic Truth podcast with Nate List without some contrived dichotomies. I'm going to modulate my voice there so it sounds cool. Braxton Berrios or Riley McCarron? Who you got? Can I say that I'm not interested in either guy? Sure, that's an answer, yes. Because the game we played earlier, I didn't like any of the receivers that we were listing. Devontae Parker, Josh Doxson, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. you, You keep bringing up Parker. I Parker's not done. Goodbye. I, I I refuse to. No. Not going to happen. Give me Willie Sneed. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> Willie Sneed. All right. So no Braxton Berrios, no Riley McCarron. I own a lot of both. I disagree with you. What about in Indianapolis? Let's split the country down the middle. Chester Rogers or Ryan Grant? Man, I'm going Ryan Grant, and I don't personally don't see it's close between the two. The Colts have already mentioned his name for the number two job. Yeah, last year in Washington had a... Yeah, another beat report that I felt was significant. Ryan Grant is locked in as the number two option in that Colts passing game. It's not Chester Rogers, and it breaks my heart. You know, Ryan Grant last year in Washington, though, um, had 45 catches and a 69.2% receiving percentage. And if you go back and look at guys that have have had those two together, you know, a, a receiving percentage that high and that many catches, it's a list of about 42 players since 2000. And that might seem like a lot, but that's not that many players. So to to maintain a, a 13, you know, a, a 13 yard receiving percentage while having that catch rate and that many catches, you know, he was efficient. Um, and in this offense, man, they need playmakers. Moncrief didn't work. T. Y. Hilton's diminutive, but a very good receiver. Now, you love Dante Moncrief. God, fuck, I love Moncrief so much. Will Dante Moncrief become the number one receiver in Jacksonville this season? 
I don't know, man. I, I really hope he does because I think a lot of us. Oh, that's a great take, Nate. You're really, you're really killing it tonight. Right in the middle of it. I don't know. I hope he does. That's your analysis of Dante Moncrief, a player that you've been tracking for the last six years. You know, it kind of feels like being a pilot and the front wheels off the ground and people are like, we're not off the ground. You know, it's not flying. This plane doesn't fly. I didn't get the back fucking wheels of the plane off the ground yet, man. Not even getting to finish. Here's my thoughts on Dante Moncrief. A lot of us have liked Dante Moncrief. He's still very young. Okay, they signed him to a decent contract, $9.5 million this year for a base salary, which is, I think, in the top five in the league at the position. Marquise Lee is a good receiver. He's been decent in Jacksonville, but they don't have a alpha receiver. A-Rob is gone. Dante Moncrief looks the part of an alpha dog receiver, and as you mentioned, he just turned 25. Yeah. He's still young. Really young. He's approaching the age apex as we speak, and he's very athletic, 115.5, 80th percentile Spark X score. So why not give Dante Moncrief an opportunity to seize that primary wide receiver role in Jacksonville? I think they can. I don't see why they wouldn't after they paid him. Sorry, I decided just to answer that the way that I wanted it to be answered. <laughs> okay, all right, good. It's your show. <laughs> It was your show. This is like two parents meeting at Wendy's to swap the kid over for the weekend. That's what this feels like. That's fine. It was your show, and now it's my show. And now it's your show. And because it's my show, I have to do these live reads. Oh, God. And we have another live read. Times have changed, Nate. Times have changed. The show is very popular, even though you're no longer on it. Not as popular. (laughs) It's fine. Whatever helps you sleep at night. So real t- <laughs> I'll be wide awake tonight just staring up at my ceiling. I just can't fuck I I got a live read to do. <laughs> Stop laughing. All right, focus. Just because you love dynasty leagues doesn't mean you don't also participate in seasonal leagues. And last year, real-time fantasy sports paid out millions of dollars in prizes to fantasy football winners just like you, Nate Liss. Like me. And this season, they'll be paying out even more. So go to rtsports.com forward slash underworld and draft your team tonight. This is my favorite place to play best ball because you can enter a slow draft, draft at your leisure. You never have to worry about picking up free agents. You never have to worry about setting your lineup. Just draft the best possible team and go win hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Winning thousands of dollars is a potential outcome because RT Sports offers best ball tournaments. Just go to rtsports.com forward slash underworld and browse the draft room. And if you don't find a draft time that works for you, that's okay. You can just create a new one that does. And you can see tonight's draft times at rtsports.com forward slash underworld. And in Superflex and 2QB redraft leagues, Scott Fishbowl comes to mind. I drafted a quarterback. His name is Lamar Jackson. (laughs) I need a minute to gather myself. Matt, hello. (laughs) And you recently started a 
YouTube series, and the second episode featured Lamar Jackson. That's a fact. Talk to us about this new Nate List YouTube series called I'm Outraged. Uh, you know, well, after the, the divorce on the Sonic Truth podcast, I thought, you know, I got to get myself back out there. There wasn't a divorce, by the way. I don't know why you keep referring to it as a the, divorce. <laughs> okay, no, there was no divorce. There was no divorce. It was a mutual separation. You said, I have to go wrestle goodbye. <laughs> No, so I thought, hey, man, I, I would like to start creating some content that's uh, different than just the typical tweets where I find somebody and try and torch them to the ground. And so I thought, hey, it would be funny to, to take my, you know, my deep dives of statistics and some funny pictures and jokes and things that I like to do and, and pair it together. So I started a series. I wouldn't call them a deep dive, just a dive. I go pretty deep. And uh, so I thought, you know, it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> funny to pair this together and do a series called I'm Outraged, right? Because uh, obviously, you know, I'm at an outraged Jew on Twitter. And you're often outraged. Yes, I am often outraged. So I started this series and, and right now I'm kind of going through um, prospects. I've gone through Lamar Jackson. I've done Sony Michelle recently for anybody that wants to check that one out. Um, I did Ronald Jones, by the way, who's going to flop on his face. Just an FYI. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. So I've done a couple of these guys, and it's just been a fun series. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It'll make you laugh. I do some things in there that aren't typical, and uh, trying to take what I learned from Matt Kelly and carry it over. It's right in your Twitter feed at an outraged Jew. That's right. How underrated is Lamar Jackson? Not by fantasy footballers because we appreciate him, but by football fans and the football media. Oh man, so underrated. I I think that. I think he's overhyped in the sense that people are excited about him, right? Like Lamar Jackson is the most electric quarterback to come into the league in a long time since Michael Vick, I would say. And and that's true. That's not hyperbole. No, and it is true. But the problem is, I think that a lot of analysts and people on TV and, and people that wouldn't understand kind of what his intangibles are, see that and that hype gets built up. And of course, now Joe Flacco's running scared, right? He's been terrible in Baltimore for a long time. Suddenly, he's having the best camp of his life. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not <laughs> there for it. But I think the Lamar Jackson is, is really underrated by people because a lot of people think that he can't throw. And in college, that was something that we saw him get better at year over year. That's been noted by a lot of analysts. And coming into Baltimore, it's like the perfect storm for him. And that's a team that's, that's ascending. That's a team that's probably going to get a new running back next year. I'm not on the Alex Collins hype train. I don't know if you are. I like him for this year. I like him for his value, but I think that that's a team that goes after running back. I don't own Alex Collins in Dynasty Leagues, but I think it's interesting that you believe that members of the sports media feel compelled to act as a counterbalance to this perceived Lamar Jackson hype machine that I don't think necessarily even exists, but they're getting out ahead of it to make sure that they do the right thing and temper expectations of Lamar Jackson. He's not that good. Lamar, In my opinion, Lamar Jackson's going to enter the NFL as a starting quarterback with potentially the highest floor of any quarterback in the league. In the league? In the league. His ability to run alone. I think he's going to be the player that's that's so elusive. I know we've seen the Robert Griffins, the guys that have gotten hurt. We've seen the attempted with the Vince Youngs. But you haven't seen a guy that's as elusive, as fast as Lamar Jackson since Michael Vick. Just think about when Michael Vick got loose. And you saw it the other night. Lamar Jackson didn't even try and he was up the field 15 yards. He was on the field for like nine plays. 
he he's the type of guy that eventually he's going to have to temper his running because you can't run forever and not take abuse. We saw it with Robert Griffin. Russell Wilson's been fortunate enough to stay healthy. He had some some injuries last year, but he still never missed a game in the NFL. But Lamar Jackson's ability to run the ball is going to be incredible. I mean, it, his, his points are going to be boosted just by that alone. And I'm not saying that I think he's a bad passer because you saw him the other night too. Threw a touchdown, he threw a pick to the left side. That's expected. It's preseason. He's working on it. But seeing him do the things that people expected him to do, to be able to run, to be able to break down a defense, avoid a tackle, you know, find the open player, throw a touchdown. It's it's nice to see. I know it's preseason, but he's doing all the right things. What about Nick Chubb? Mm. Do you believe that Lamar Jackson can usurp Joe Flacco and be a starter in week one? Can Nick Chubb usurp Carlos Hyde and start in week one as well? This is a tough one. Um, I I love Nick Chubb. He was one of the highest rated running backs I had coming into this year. Um, I, I don't think Carlos Hyde's a pushover uh, by any means. So I no, I don't think so. I don't think that Nick Chubb is going to pass Carlos Hyde by week one of the NFL season. Could you push over Carlos Hyde if you tried? He's two hundred and thirty pounds. If you had a running start, do you think you could push over Carlos Hyde? Does he know that I'm coming? Yes, but I am crouched behind him. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's going ass over tea kettle. Yeah, he's definitely, he's going over. There's no question. I'm going to take one good shot. So you and I could team up yes. and put Carlos Hyde on the ground, even if he sees it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without question. If it was Derrick Henry, I don't think so. I don't think we're taking on Derrick Henry, but yeah, Carlos Hyde for sure. He's going over. So who's going to be more productive this year, Nick Chubb or Isaiah Crowell? Isaiah Crowell. Nick Chubb or Royce Freeman? Royce Freeman. And I want to say that of these last two players, I like Nick Chubb over both of them long term. That's right. In Dynasty, I think we both prefer Nick Chubb over Isaiah Crowell, of course. Yes, of course. And Royce Freeman. Yes. What about Sony Michelle? Will Nick Chubb outproduce Sony Michelle this season? And who do you like better in Dynasty? Oh, we're going off script here. Um, wow, this is a this is a tough one. I know that you've you've got your uh What do you your... mean we're going off script? There was a Sony Michelle question, I just moved it. No, I don't I don't I don't remember seeing this, but that's fine. No, that's fine. I, I want to talk but about this. There's a Sony right? Michelle question up the show sheet. I skipped it and I brought it down here. Now you've got your Sam site prepared for this. I'm very nimble with the show sheet. Yeah, I know. It's sliding around very, very selectively. Um, I Between Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, I kind of had them about the same place in my rankings. I felt that they were very similar. Landing spots are the big difference here. Um, personally, Sony Michelle going to New England for me was a was a big deal. I think New England was a great landing spot. I think people will disagree. What if I told you that Sony Michelle just opted to have a procedure done on his knee? Is he just getting it drained? Wait, you didn't know about this? Wait a minute. Wait, what happened with Sony Michelle? You don't know that Sony Michelle is out having a knee procedure? That's been announced. That's not fake news. That's happening. The Sony Michelle that's on the New England Patriots? Sony Michelle? Sony Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. Like Rex Burkhead's going to score 15 touchdowns. So, what he, so, like, he's got a knee problem, you said? Well, <laughs> it was reported that Sony Michelle had a bone on bone knee condition at the combine, and the medicals were one of the reasons why he was purported to fall out of the first round, and then the Patriots refused. To move him down their draft board, despite the knee condition, which has now 
surfaced in training camp. That's no big deal. Um, I, you know, I'll say this. So I touched on this in my latest I'm outraged, so I don't want to go into it. Okay, no. The answer is Nick Chubb. We're moving no, on. No, the answer is not Nick Chubb. I like Nick Chubb, but it's not It's not cut and dry for me. I, I think they're both good players. I like Sony Michelle a lot. I do. I like him a lot, so sorry. Great take, Nate. Thanks, man. Hot take. Check, check the video out. Okay, so how about this? Yes. So you don't have an opinion on Nick Chubb versus Sony Michelle. Yes. What about Nick Chubb versus Ronald Jones? Oh my god. What do you think of Ronald Jones? What do I think of Ronald Jones? Wow, I don't think much of He's going to be a quality NFL player, right? Look, okay, I got to clear the air about this. I don't think that Ronald Jones is a talentless player. I think that he's a guy that's a reasonably good athlete. We talked about this off air. He's probably <laughs> he's more That's quite the compliment. He's reasonably good from a production standpoint potential he's more amir abdullah than he is clinton portis you know he's he's more geo bernard than he is mjd and we're talking about sub 205 pound running backs ronald jones not a great pass catcher which we had talked about and look what comes out on roto world just ronald jones has a single skill and that's running fast in a straight line name me something else that ronald jones does well Yeah, so Ronald Jones is terrible. <laughs> so he's terrible. And drafting Ronald Jones over Darius Geis in the second round was an uh, embarrassment. Uh, I, while we're at it, I think that taking Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle over Darius Geis was not good either. Drafting Rashad Penny in the first round mm -hmm, mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. the second most egregious draft pick of the 2018 draft, second only to drafting Josh Allen at all. <laughs> <laughs> weaved its way back in. Yeah, that's a that's not going to be a good one either. But I think people that I saw in one of my personal drafts, I was drafting at 105. At 104, Ronald Jones went off the board. What? And Sony Michelle fell to me at 105, and I'm a fan of Michelle, and I took him. Yeah, he went at 104. This is when like that hype broke out that he's going to get 19 touches a game. Could you have had Nick Chubb and you chose Sony Michelle? Yes. Yep. Woof. Yeah. Nick Chubb or Karrion Johnson? This year, carry on Johnson. But long-term, Nick Chubb. Yes. That's a nuanced take that I can believe in. Oh, thanks, man. I try every, you know, one out of six. It's about your ratio. That's <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. How often are you able to get these sweat stains out of your t-shirts? What? What is going on here? You got another live read for like a stain stick remover or something from Tide? <laughs> <laughs> What's about to happen right now? I don't know. He just pulled a big box of bleach up from under his desk and he just set it down. What are we what are we doing? You look like someone who wears a lot of white t-shirts. Oh my god. And that your wife struggles to remove the sweat stains. I don't know what this means. And there is a reason why you can't remove that pale yellow stain from the armpit region of white t-shirts. Do you want to know why? More than anything. Because the aluminum in oh. your deodorant bonds to the sweat molecules and it's impossible to remove from the fabric unless you buy a unique household product called Raise. Like raise your arms up because you don't have sweat stains. Just go to Amazon.com. That's the fastest, easiest place to buy it. Type in Raise and 
apply to all your white t-shirts, underarm stains, vanished. You're welcome. That solves some of my problems. That is... You have a lot of problems. Yes. But I solved one of them. Yes. With another mansion lifestyle hack. Off the board. Thank you. Thank you. It all comes back to the aluminum. Get that aluminum out of your life with Ray's. I think you just don't want to use the deodorant with aluminum whatsoever if you can. They all have aluminum, Nate. Isn't that the difference between a deodorant and an antiperspirant? Isn't it the aluminum? Antiperspirant is even worse. It's worse? Think about it. You're either preventing the body from sweating. Mm -hmm. That's short-circuiting the pores and the glands of the body. Or you're simply masking the odor from sweating. I would rather mask the odor than rewire my body. So wait, so which one's the worst one? Antiperspirant? Don't use antiperspirant, please. At least use deodorant. We should be using natural deodorant without aluminum, but no one wants to do that. Fuck no. But we do want you to give us one deep sleeper running back for the (gasps) final rounds of Dynasty Startups. Oh my God. Give us a guy. Okay. Give us a guy. All right. They already know my guy. My guy's Rod Smith. They know my guy. So that's that's even I, this this guy might be a little bit in front of that, but I don't feel like this guy's super duper owned. I, we've talked about him a bunch. Rod Smith has RB one potential if anything happens to Ezekiel Elliott, and he can win in all phases. Rod Smith's a far superior player to Ronald Jones in a vacuum. I mean, I guess that's true. It is true. Okay, my player. He's much more versatile and only slightly less explosive. Okay, here's a player that's about the same size as Ronald Jones, but is far superior in athleticism, and he's on the final year of his contract, Corey Grant, Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a guy that I've owned in mm. many places. Yes. Super explosive player, even, you know, Jacksonville. Anything happens to Leonard Fournette, it becomes a Corey Grant, TJ Yeldon committee. And I like Corey Grant in that scenario. Exactly. And I think that he's the type of guy that there's going to be a team out there that's going to fall in love with his ability out in space and and want to utilize him in that way. So he's definitely going somewhere next year. That's a fact. And it might not be Jacksonville, but there are plenty of teams out there that can use a player with his skill set. Why would you draft Ronald Jones <laughs> go back when you to- can go and get Corey Grant at a fraction of the price? Yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Rojo fan. I'm sorry. There's people out there that had Ronald Jones as the RB1. Ronald Jones is just a very expensive Corey Grant. Yeah, but like a far less, you know, equal athlete. Isn't he just fast? And he wasn't even fast at, at the combine. Wasn't it at his pro day? He pulled his hamstring. Ronald Jones is a former track star. You do at least give him credit for being fast. Never. I'm not going to take that away from him. It's all he has. I'm just not aware of any other of his strengths. Do you remember the Tampa Bay offensive line just opening up gaping holes last year? No? No. No. Of course not. That's the problem with Ronald Jones. If Rod Smith is off the board in the final rounds of Dynasty League drafts, you could also consider rostering Peyton Barber for all the reasons that we have outlined that Ronald Jones is overrated. Who's your highest owned tight end in Dynasty? I've got two. One of them, very obvious, Travis Kelsey. Numerous reasons why. The other one hasn't... George Kittle. I I love Kittle. I don't own him anywhere. I thought you were going to say Kittle. Ah, no. Mine is Kelsey and Hooper. Ooh, Austin Hooper. Ooh. I have a lot of Austin Hooper in redraft. Exotic, I know. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. He's a starting tight end. Yes. With above-average athleticism on what should be an above-average offense. 
So you have above average athleticism on an above average offense, and you're the locked in starter projected to command a 95% plus snap share. There's no target competition on that tight end depth chart for Austin Hooper in Atlanta. And after Julio Jones, we have a rookie in Calvin Ridley. We have a one-dimensional slot receiver. We have a plotting slot receiver in Muhammad Sanu. You could argue that Austin Hooper is set up to finish second on the Atlanta Falcons in targets. Mm. It could happen. Started to make me a believer. Speaking of believers, mm-hmm. which player that has yet to break out do you qualify for truth or status on? Well, you already know this one. You know this one. Texas Longhorns. Dante Foreman? That's right. That's right. Really? Yeah, that's my guy. We're already truthers on Dante Foreman? What do you mean there's already? We never went anywhere. He's only in his second year in the league. He already requires truthers? What do you mean? What? Do you... He hasn't broken out yet. He's coming off a torn Achilles tendon. The Achilles tendon would make his fans truthers at this point. Gonna fucking need more than truthers this year. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to wish him back to health. Pray for him. He needs everything this year. And supposedly he could be ready for week one. So you are going out and acquiring as much Dante Foreman as possible. You are practicing what you preach. Absolutely. 100%. So give us one very bold prediction for this season. I ask everyone that comes on all these shows for the boldest of bold predictions. And when I say bold, I don't just mean bold. Mm. I mean bold. Man. Very bold. Very bold. They think, think very, very boldly. I need the boldest of the bold that the outraged Nate Liss oh. can conjure up. Make it bold. Just gave me a headache. Man, now I'm regretting what I wrote down because it's not. I, I noticed that you wrote the word very three times, but you didn't <laughs> bold the word bold, so I wasn't sure if it was for real. <laughs> I had a Darius Geis take, but I don't feel like it's scorching enough to What's even. What's the drink. Darius Geis take? Uh, that uh, that Darius Geis is going to finish as the RB1 overall and obviously is going to outscore Saquon Barkley and causing everyone that used the 101 on him to perish in existence. Wait, you're contending that Darius Geis will finish as the number one running back in all of fantasy football, and you don't think that's hot enough? No, I think it's hot enough. That's absolutely hot enough. That fits the profile of a very, 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 very bold prediction. Perfectly. All right. Right on. Well, then we did it. Congratulations. That's a great take. Congratulations! That's a great take! Darius Geis only has one ACL, but who's counting? It's unbelievable. I feel, I feel like vindicated right now. 
so nervous. Why were you nervous? Oh, I don't know. You just set it up so much. You just felt like, well, not as now. Now after hearing 80 varies, not enough, clearly. Well, the, no, the 80 varies are just to annoy the audience, it's just to bother people. It's just to force people to take the phone out of their pocket and fast forward. My only goal in life is to force the listener to fast forward, to be that obnoxious. It did go longer than I thought. Even I was like, boy, I wish I could fast forward this. Oh, we did it, buddy. Yeah, man, it's good stuff. Temper expectations of Lamar Jackson. He's not that good. Here's my thing on DJ Moore. DJ Moore is not there the minute he starts flashing. Like, he, his ADP will go so high from where he's at that you wouldn't even get him where you're about to get him. I like Aguilar. I was definitely on board just saying, hey, man, just pick him up. He's free. I kind of feel that way about Philip Dorsett, by the way. But I, I would prefer DJ Moore, man. I think DJ Moore could be really good. I also have Greg Olson. I think it's a good stack, Greg Olson and, D- and DJ Moore. Yeah, dude, they're going to funnel him the ball. And I was, uh, I had something written up a while ago. Dude, fucking Greg Olson's falling off hard, big time. What about Anthony Miller, though? I like Anthony Miller. I mean, I, I think A-Rob's a definite alpha, and I'm not saying Funchess isn't, but I could see Carolina being a place where they would let Funchess go and use DJ Moore as their, you know, their number one and things open up for him where I don't see it the other way. I think I think Anthony Miller can have a definite role, and I don't know what we think his his ceiling is. Is it 105 targets, 110 targets? You know, he's going to have to be wildly efficient. DJ Moore could be, you know, 135. What about Cameron Meredith? I like Meredith. He's your guy. I mean, I don't know that I'm taking Meredith over DJ Moore. I think... What a weird fucking backfield. Didn't it feel like we had it figured out a year ago or two years ago? And now it's his confusing i mean if sony michelle didn't get hurt at least now it's like okay rex burkhead is the guy until otherwise told he's the guy and i like james white but james white's not gonna take rex burkhead's job give me blue balls right now i'm holding on to des because i can't sell him yet because he doesn't have a fucking team to go to give me blue balls right now give me blue balls right now what chris godwin upside receiver yeah, for sure. He's still on the board. Mike Evans, wildly inefficient. I like Godwin, too, a lot. I think any of those guys are going to kind of fall into the same thing. I think the difference is in redraft, I probably prefer Godwin because he's got more NFL experience. Like, he's kind of gotten that rookie jitter shit out of him. Yeah, why not go Godwin? That's a great one. I didn't know Godwin was on there. He, I mean, you've been touting him, too, good athlete. It's either I go Godwin for upside or I go, like, I lock in, like, Kelvin Benjamin but or Tyrell Williams. I go Godwin. Maximum upside. Maximum upside. Ronald Jones is not going to be shit for the Bucks, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Ronald Jones is not going to be shit, 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 shit. I don't. I, so all I'm saying, I'm saying that because I think they're going to have to use more receivers. I don't think the passing game out of the backfield is going to be as good as people expect it to be. I don't, Ronald Jones is going to save the day. So I think Godwin is going to be a big go-to target for them outside of Evans. But I have my running back set. I have Saquon, Royce Freeman, Marshawn, and Marlon Mack. That Colts backfield and that Green Bay backfield, they look a lot alike. I went Godwin, and I'm just going to see if, if Gio Bernard or Ty Montgomery slips. Yeah, so my, my roster is Russell Wilson, Saquon Barkley, Royce Freeman, Marshawn Lynch, Marlon Mack, and then Amari, Michael Thomas, Alshon, Godwin, Greg Olson. Nice. Amari's going to have that year, man. This is it. I know you were giving me shit the other day because you're like, why are you you're howling at the moon? Classic Matt Kelly response. But nobody, dude, there's a lot of people that are taking shits on Amari Cooper right now. Honestly, 
People are saying that he didn't play well last year. And, dude, he played with injuries. Carr had a bad year. There was a lot of reasons why. But fucking Gruden comes in and tells you that he thinks this guy's a superstar and tells you that they're going to throw the ball to him all the time. And he's an elite talent, and he's done it the two years prior. Like, like we're going to look back on this year with Amari Cooper, and we're going to go, you know what? You're right. Everything was there. All the signs were there. Everything was there when he catches 95 balls this year. You're going to look back and go, "You're, you know what? Yeah, we're idiots. It, it was there. Everything was there. It was right in front of you. I'm just saying. It seems like people are down. I, I can't even. What's his ADP right now? Didn't you say he was in the third or fourth round? Well, dude, he could be like 140 or 150 targets. He could be more than that. Didn't, didn't some fucking Tim Brown say some crazy shit like he's going to catch 200 balls? I was trying to do the math on that. If he catches 200 passes, what is that a game? That's ridiculous. I don't know. I can't believe that you don't like Ronald Jones, man. How do you not like Ronald Jones? There's so much about Ronald Jones I don't like. So many things about Ronald Jones I do not like. You think he just stinks, right? I do. I think he's terrible. Okay, I've gone out of my way to tell people I don't I don't think he stinks. I think he's a, a I think he's awful. Dude, yeah, it's fucking terrible. You do any comps you want on Ronald Jones statistically. I went and did his draft position comps and yeah, basically he's not dude, he's not going to be MJD. He's not going to be Clinton Portis. He's either Joe Bernard, Amir Abdullah, or he's way lower than that. And neither of those guys have had more than 170 carries. He's just a straight line speed nothing. He's not athletically comparable to Amir Abdullah, but production-wise, they're on par. Right, I think production-wise, when you compare what he did in college versus what he's going to do in the pros... I think that Ronald Jones and Amir Abdullah are similar. He's, he will flame out similar to how Amir Abdullah flamed out. And Amir Abdullah didn't even struggle this much as a rookie. Like, we're already seeing him struggle with pass catching. It's already been reported on Roto World. You see that today? Yeah, I did. You know, it's funny. Jacob Rickrode DM'd me, and he goes, he goes, shocking. And he sent me the link to it. You know, because him and I have been talking about that. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised, man. It's just... He didn't have a lot of catches on the resume coming into the league. It's going to be something he's going to have to work on. And not that he can't develop it. We've talked about this before. You know, guys can develop into weapons. But Melvin Gordon's on the other end of that scale. Like, he I, he came from not being super productive in college to being a monster in the pros. They feed him the ball. He's been active in the past game. Melvin Gordon wasn't productive in college? No, not as a receiver. Oh, well, he was one of the most productive running backs of all time. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, not as a runner, as a pass catcher. I thought that's what we were talking about here. Yeah, no, Ronald Jones is going to stink it up big time. I don't think he stinks. I. Yeah, no, Ronald Jones is going to stink it up big time. I don't think he stinks. I. Yeah, no, Ronald Jones is going to stink it up big time. I don't think he stinks. I. Even if you wanted a running back, they could have had Darius Geis. They could have had a generational talent, and they go with Ronald fucking Jones. What a dud of a pick. You brought this question up to me on the show sheet about the worst pick in the NFL draft, about Sonny Michelle or Rashad Penny. And honestly, I don't hate either of those picks there because they're late in the first, but the fact that neither one of them was Darius Geis is the reason I hate those picks. Fucking take Darius Geis. It's not principal anymore. You know what? Like... How many guys has Seattle drafted that were not good people? Frank Clark. Um, fuck, who's the one the year before that? Um, look, Seattle should have taken Darius Geis. If you're going to take a running back and he was there, 
Why the fuck did they take Rashad Penny? And I don't hate Penny, and I don't hate Sony Michelle. I just did. Did Malik McDowell have something? No, Malik McDowell crashed his ATV, and he and his career was over. And Tampa Bay Bucks fans are just drunk on delusions of grandeur because they think that Ronald Jones is going to be the savior of that team. 198-pound Ronald Jones is not saving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Lamar Jackson, he's not that good. That intro to that Edo Smith hype video was amazing. That was a great job by that guy. Great production. Incredible production value. And you were featured. I love my one nugget that was well he does look explosive like i came out looking great in that hype video you look terrible like i came out looking great in that hype video you look terrible you did i mean i've never said i've never said something so offensive i think about a player when i said you know the end of it where we've never heard of you and then boom hip-hop music comes in shaking linebackers just the filthiest moves you've ever seen and when that guy that was producing that video found your Edo Smith diss track on YouTube, he was so happy. Fucking gold. That inspired him to make the whole thing, I'm sure. He was hate listening to our podcast, and that motivated him to create an Edo Smith hype video because that's what the world needs. That intro was so unbelievable. I had to show my wife that. I, I was enshrined in that thing. That's great. Everybody out there knows if they've been listening to me long enough, I'm a Power 5 conference guy, through and through. It's all it is. That, I, that is the biggest thing for me. All these people are posting these Edo Smith clips of him shaking defenders out of their boots. These insane... He looks really elusive. I would look elusive too in the Conference USA. I would look amazing in Conference USA. I'm not taking anything away from him, but people so selectively downplay the conferences. They they almost ignore it. Here's the truth about Conference USA. If you're not Matt Forte, Chris Johnson, or D'Angelo Williams, we've never heard of you. He do, uh, you know, he, he is a special, special uh, football player. We want no smoke. We want no smoke. We want no smoke. I'm partial because I coach at Southern Miss, but to me, um, he, he's the best back in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, he just he just breaking up the ice. Stacking it tall. my city became a boss. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. It's just so Cleveland. The moment you're pushing the button. Oh, thank God. A conditional 2020 seventh rounder is, in fact, nothing. Giving him away for nothing. The number five receiver is Jeff Janis. That's right. The Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. He called everybody bitches. I wish somebody would have stood up and said it's hard to get hurt when you're averaging 8.8 yards per reception. (laughs) You're not getting that banged up that far down the field. Maybe if you tried operating at all. In any of the deeper quadrants of the field, you might know what it's like to feel the pain of an injury. Right. 
Calvin Johnson can't walk anymore. Is Josh Doxson ever going to happen, Nate? Because there's no way that both Devontae Parker and Josh Doxson can both happen in the same season. That's mathematically impossible. You think Mike Williams has an appetite problem? That's not a player that you can trust in fantasy football ever. Why did you do that to Carlos Williams? I am body shaming when it's men whose wives, obviously, are having the babies and they're gaining the weight with them. Like, you don't get to gain weight because they gain weight. That's bullshit. He needs to be more mentally tough to control his appetite. In fact, he should go out to dinner with Mike Williams, and Mike Williams can eat some of what he orders. Yes, role reversal. Devontae Parker, not going to happen. Zay Jones, not going to happen. Mike Williams, not going to happen. But Willie Sneed, counterintuitively, Willie Sneed is going to happen. Wow. I'm assuming this is in regards to the Doug Baldwin injury. Yes. You got me. Why does anyone like Chris Carson? And if Doug Baldwin is less than 100% in week one, that makes Pete Carroll a liar. Well, wouldn't you think the Cleveland Browns at this point would be going out and trading for a wide receiver like Corey Cole? Oh, oh, oh. No, no, no. Now, now, now. No, that was then. You have to get him now. Now. Now, now. I don't know when to talk. Now. Now, now. Woo. All right. Now, this is a legit question. So what have the questions been prior to this? Not legitimate? Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Tariq Cohen. He's Jewish. He's a running back? Oh, God. Is he Jewish? Dynasty leaguers don't care about Pierre Garçon. Oh, that's bullshit, man. I don't even fucking know. No, I didn't know that he had, like, that he wasn't stable mentally. I couldn't figure that out. And you don't need a tailor because all you wear are t-shirts. Ah, that's, I, I, I didn't notice that, but now it's going to it's gonna bug me. Ah, that's out of, I, 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 I refuse to, no. I, you, you keep bringing up... I, I, I refuse to... No, Parker. I uh, Parker's not done. I don't know. I hope he does. That's your analysis of Dante Moncrief, a player that you've been tracking for the last six years. I, I, I refuse to... No. I didn't get the back fucking wheels of the plane off the ground yet, man. It was your show, and now it's my show. This is like two parents meeting at Wendy's to swap the kid over for the weekend. That's what this feels like. That's fine. Whatever helps you sleep at night. So real time. <laughs> I'll be wide awake tonight, just staring up at my ceiling. You said I have to go wrestle goodbye. <laughs> I drafted a quarterback. His name is Lamar Jackson. I need a minute to gather myself. I go pretty deep. And you're often outraged. Just gave me a headache. I am crouched behind him. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's going ass over tea kettle. Ronald Jones. Oh, my God. Ronald Jones. Oh, my God. Name me something else that Ronald Jones does well. I don't have anything. I'm not 
the silence thing. I didn't know. You're comparing Devontae Parker to Marvin Harrison? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Darius Geis is going to finish as the RB1 overall. Starting to make me a believer. Yeah, he's going ass over tea kettle. 